0: Did anybody know that song that Marsha was playing before we sang together? Some came in late, maybe. Maybe didn't hear. Three songs <clears throat> really speak to what I want to address, none of which are in the songbook book that we are using regular. She played, if you look in the ABA hymnal, number 31. Fanny Crosby, he hideth my soul. The chorus says, He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock. The shadows of dry thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand. And covers me there with his hand. Does that ring a bell with anybody? Here? You've heard that. Also in the ABA hymnal, 159, Under His Wings. The chorus says, Under His Wings, Under His Wings, Who from His love can sever. Under His Wings my soul shall abide, Safely abide forever. And a third song the him will I cut my teeth. We back. And maybe you know this from another place. It's called a shelter in the time of storm. Does that ring a bell? Nobody ever heard of it? The Lord's our rock in him we hide a shelter in the time of storm. Secure whatever ill be tied, a shelter in the time of storm. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A weary land, a weary land. Oh, Jesus is a rock in a weary land, a shelter in the time of storm. So, y'all never heard of those before, huh? Well, you have now. I'll bet after I read this psalm, you'll know exactly which verse we're going to focus on. And which song are we looking at? 58. 59. 57. Do I hear 60? <laughs> One of you is running. 57. No? 58. Any 58 person want to say? 57? No, you said 59. that. Oh, i let 58. Fifty-eight. Look in the book again. Seven, seventeen, Psalm fifty-six. Fifty-seven. You know she's right. Psalm <coughs> fifty-seven. 57. Right. Somebody said you have to go with multiple choice. Go with your first <laughs> instinct. Fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. By the way, anybody here born in fifty-seven? We didn't vote, Not enough. Oh, okay. Anybody but Hanks 57? On there, Yeah, they do. right. Um, let's read this. <clears throat> be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me. For my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will pray it. Unto God most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him who would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. My soul is among lions. wasn't just Dan, was it wasn't. And I lie even among them that are set on fire, not just the three Hebrew words. Hmm. whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have digged a pit before me into the midst whereof they are fallen themselves. My heart is fixed, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psalter in heart. I myself will awake early. I will praise Thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto Thee among the nations. For Thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and Thy truth unto the clouds. Be Thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let Thy glory be above all the earth. Say, did the psalmist repeat himself here? Mm -hmm. 5 and 11. Now sometimes they're kind of close, but this time, as far as I can tell, he is right on. He has got it in repetition mode. I want to think about verse 1. Especially the part of the verse that says, In the shadow of thy wings... Will I make my refuge until these calamities be past, overpassed? Y'all know what a calamity is. First time I heard the word calamity was when people talked about some wild west woman called herself Calamity Claudia or something like that. What that's it, right? Yes. But a calamity, that's not something you look forward to. Well, I think I'm have a calamity today. No. Because we have a God who is there and gives the care no matter what might be happening. Coming down on top of your head. And so, my title for this psalm, for what it's worth, Taking Refuge from Calamities, in the shadow of God's wings. There are a lot of objects in the Scripture that serve as figures or foreshadows of something greater. Paul, in the book of Colossians, and whoever the Spirit used to write the book of Hebrews, especially chapters 8-10, through talks about this which is a shadow of something to come. It's a shadow of something to come. We can truly say the saints that lived in Old Testament times, they looked forward to the life and the work of Jesus Christ. But if there is a theme about living the Christian life, the best is yet to come. Did you know that? Now you might say, I remember back when I was young and I could do this and I could do that. Well, the glory days are even greater yet to come now this world <clears throat> they're content with the stuff in this life But I think I heard in Sunday school this morning <clears throat> like the fellas out in the swamp they're out in the boat getting on the skiers and they say you know boys they don't get any better than this yeah, uh, yeah it does <laughs> heaven's a lot better you won't need any sunscreen in heaven you won't need any bug spray in heaven. You won't need... Somebody asked me about our house. I said, we're a, block and a half of the police department. Oh, bet you feel safe. Well, not as safe as I'll be in heaven. Not as secure and comforted as the beauty of heaven. But uh, it's interesting... We come across the word shadow, and I may down the road uh, in, in preparation for this, I found more stuff about shadows. I may preach a whole sermon just on shadows, the different ways it comes out in Scripture. Sometimes it talks about it in the literal sense. In the book of Acts, the two great preachers, they both start with a P, you got Peter and you got Paul. Now Paul, in the nineteenth of Acts, it tells us that some folk got some pieces of cloth that Paul had touched and they took those out to minister to people. But in the case of Peter in Acts 5, it tells us he walked by and when his shadow fell on somebody, the Lord was pleased to heal. So shadows don't seem to have much power in and of themselves, but if the Lord is with it, the Lord can do and does do great things. Now, when I mention shadows in Scripture, people say, doesn't the Bible talk about the shadow of death? Oh, yeah. I've 20 times the expression the shadow of death. Ten of those were in the book of Job and four in the book of the Psalms. And I'm just going to mention that in passing. But sometimes a shadow brings to mind the idea of a hint. In James 1.17, you might be able to say it from memory, it talks about our great God in whom there is not even the shadow of turning. You think God's going to change. You think God's going to reverse this, that, and the other. You've got another thing coming. But there are two things I want to emphasize this afternoon. And the first one has to do with that word calamity. Because the world knows even when things get hot and bright beyond what you might be able to appreciate. There's always hope that you can find some shade. I spent a couple of summers in Memphis, walking around on a blacktop in a parking lot to a big amusement park, and it got hot, and I had a friend named Charles, and he was over in the next lot, I'm walking around, and he's walking around, every time his route and mine got close, he'd look at me, and he'd say, "Show sure is hot. Yes, it is, Charles. When we talk about it, it just seems to get hotter. So let's talk about something else, okay? Okay. So what do you got to say, Charles? Sure is hot. (laughs) I love Charles. Good man. But uh, even if the sun is beating down on you, you (coughs) know... Even a chubby guy like me can get some relief if there's a telephone pole Turn sideways and get most of it. A little bit of shade makes a big difference. The other day, I drove from just from here to the house, and it's only about a mile, mile and a half, but the thermometer in the car said it was 103. By the time I got to the shade at our house, I looked. And it dropped down to a cool 98. (laughs) Well, any gorgeous storm, they said. But a shadow, any form of shade, gives us a temporary respite. And it's good to know that there is hope. Somebody says the difference between a pessimist and an optimist is this. A pessimist sees a calamity in every opportunity. An optimist sees an opportunity in every calamity. Several times Solomon talks about man under the sun. Under the sun. It's common knowledge to know that if you can get a shade, some kind of relief, to get out of the heat, get, to get out of the brightness of the sun. Job said in the 14th chapter in verse 1, man that is born of woman is... View of days full of trouble. I mentioned a country song this morning. Well, this afternoon. And there's a song I used to remember as I guess I was about, about Sky's age when I first heard it. Uh, my grandparents, they were from Oklahoma and they loved to watch E
1: Y'all remember E <laughs>
0: And sometimes they get together and they had a little song Glue, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, sorry, I'd have no luck at all again, sorry. Glue, despair, and agony on me. That's the cry of a lot of people. But Job said, as the spirits, would have us to appreciate. Man that is born of woman is few of days full of troubles. We have happy times, but they seem to be punctuated by troubling times, don't we? In the 90th Psalm, verse 12, Moses says, so teach us to number our days we should consider our ways and how it is that we're living. In the 102nd Psalm, we're reminded that human life is so short. There's so many images in the Scripture about the brevity of life. It's a wind. It's a vapor that vanishes away. It's like the grass that... You know, if you don't get much rain, we're seeing that right now. It goes from green, kind of brown, Kind of yellow, kind of egg. No kind of about it. But uh, human life is brief. It's here and then it's gone. All of men's affairs are temporary at best. In the 109th Psalm, move ahead just a little bit. 109 and verse 23. I am gone like the shadow when it declineth. You look at it, oh, look at the shadow. Look a few minutes, oh, it, it's a moon. It's, it's, it's going down. And when the shadows grow long, the day's about done. Now, isn't it? And we wonder if we're in the shadow days. One man wrote a book, Beyond the Shadowlands, talking about heaven. And that goes along with what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, we look around us with our physical eye and, and this world it's messed up. But we look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. That's where we get the word temporary. It's here today, I'm gone tomorrow. I almost bought from my first car, the Kaiser Fraser. Ever seen the Kaiser Fraser? Real popular during the war, <laughs> afterward. But they're not around anymore. But I didn't buy the Kaiser Fraser. Instead I bought a Studebaker. Yeah, you can still see Studebakers at one of the <laughs> the museum here in town. Wasn't that long ago? They talk about the Oldsmobile. One of their taglines was, it's not your father's Oldsmobile. No, and since the early 90s, hadn't been anybody's Oldsmobile except as a used car. They stopped making it. And then, I don't know how many years ago, they stopped making the Pontiac. You want a Pontiac? <laughs> it's called a used car. So the question is, which GM car will close down that Somebody said eventually there'll be GMC trucks and Cadillacs and that. I don't know. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, the things which are seen are temporal. You drive by a place that you've been seeing for years, and you, oh look, they, they tore that down. Something else is under new management. Something else has changed. We live in a world of change. Natural things, temporal things, things of this world. They change. And so do all of our affairs. I know most of you can remember Brother Jack Dupashev. And uh, he said it quite often. And I have to say amen every time he said it. He said, somebody else can be living in a house one of these days. Somebody else will be driving that car. Somebody else will be spending that money. And we forget sometimes we think we're good to go and nothing can change that the life of man is comparable to a shadow i love scripture along that line i would remind you since we were just talking about psalm 102 if you go back there and verse number 11 again we're talking about shadows my days are like a shadow that the that I am withered like grass. Mm. And if you move ahead to the 144th, almost the last of the Psalms. Psalm 144, or 44 as they say in England. And verse 4, Man is like to vanity, his days are as a shadow that passeth away. Where'd your shadow go? Sun goes down and the shadow is gone. It be gone, they said. So, that's what life's like. Man's life is just that way. But, <clears throat> we talk about to be under the shadow of God's wings. God has us covered. You see, you said that this morning. It's still true. And it still speaks to our need. We need the protection of our great God who protects us. And the protection that he affords us is compared to that of the wing. To think of safety, to think of security. I'll tell you what, you You look at these little kiddos, they get out in a place where they feel they're free to run and roam and yell and scream and all that. But then you get something scary come up. Where's mama? They want to run to mama. Humans aren't the only creatures that do that. When a hawk flies over, the chickens out there, you know, mama chicken, papa chicken, no, I'm saying boy.
1: But the chickens
0: out there and the chicks, the shadow of a hawk flies over. And I don't know whether they know instinctively or she knows instinctively. And the cluck, 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 and they come a running. And they get under the shadow of her wings. And uh, the Lord used that illustration in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. He looked at the city of Jerusalem. And uh, what a shame, humanly speaking, you might say. All the lessons that Jesus taught, all the miracles that He provided, the example that His life set—and you know what? It was—it eh, was like the days of Lot. You live a righteous life, and the world goes so. On big deal. That's your thing. I'm going to do my thing. I could care less. That's what it says about the days of Noah. They're eating, drinking. Is it wrong to eat and drink? No. Eat and drink the right thing in moderation. And marrying and giving. Is it wrong to get married? Of course not. Something God afforded Adam and Eve. He tells us how important it is pleased for the man and the woman to come together be recognized as before God dedicated as one flesh operating, thinking that way but Jesus overlooked the city of Jerusalem and in two of those gospels he says, oh Jerusalem Jerusalem how many times will I gathered you together as a hen gathers her chicks. You would not. Folks, it's true that men are depraved. They're dead in their trespasses and sins. And they cannot come. Some people don't talk about that, but that's true. Now, what I'm about to say does not take any of that away. But it is also true that they will not come. Now some people just emphasize this to the point they forget about this and they say, your problem is you just won't come. So we have to use some psychological technique. We'll play a certain song. Maybe on the 67th verse of Just As I Am, we can get them to walk down the sawdust trail. We can get him to say, "Just, just nod your head here. Just check the box here a little girl who said, Brother, Brother Ains, I got saved last Mm -hmm. night. Really? Yeah. Of course, I've been saved eight times before. I said, after calling her name, if you really were saved, you didn't have to be re-saved. Well, the other times, I didn't know what I was doing, but I did this time. Some groups even, they'll get little kiddos to Say, nod your head. Okay, okay, good. Now you're saved. Now let me give you assurance. So now they got both barrels. Not only do they have a profession, but they they have assurance. How would I give somebody assurance? I can show them what the Word says. I can tell them, look to Christ. No one's saved because this or any other preacher told them they were saved. No one's saved because Mama, anybody's Mama, or Daddy, anybody's Daddy, told them they were saved. Oh, i got a good feeling. i got a buzz. And that means I'm... No, no. Maybe you had too many anchovies or something else. If the Lord doesn't work, it says let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You shouldn't have to put words in people's mouth. Repeat after me. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. See, they're saved. They're saved. Well, in that case, every minor bird, every parrot in the pet shop has a potentially saved because they go, "Ah, ah, Jesus died for my sins. Ah, ah, ah." Saying the words is supposed to be an evidence of what is known in the mind and felt in the heart. The gospel is more than just some facts. It is a personal relationship. Christ did these things for us. There are people in hell right now who have the intellectual awareness that there was a man named Jesus. He lived and he died and he was buried or almost halfway home, there, And he rose from the dead. Well, maybe he did. And it's just like it says in the Scriptures. Okay, I'll give you that. He did it for us. Well, I prefer to find another way to heaven. No, there's only one God, like we talked about this morning, and there's only one way to heaven. And that's Christ. This church can't save. This table can't save. This baptistry can't save. This preacher can't save. Your Sunday school teacher can't save. No angel's gonna say, never has? Never will. Don't have that power. And so the same protection that we have, when Jesus cried out, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if the words I've done here, then he mentions a couple of hotbeds of hell, if you will, if the things I've done here had been done in those places, they would have repented in dust and ashes. Now, if you're ever talking to somebody of a persuasion, they say, well, I think God's trying to save everybody. I think God just wants to see everybody get saved. And the only hindrance is the fact that they will not come. Well, it's true they will not come, but it's also true they cannot come. And I've never had any Arminian give me a plausible explanation. I say, If Jesus' intention was to get as many people saved as possible, what would have happened if He had gone to those cities? Would they have repented? Well, Jesus just said in those verses, they would have repented. And yet there's no record that the Lord ever went to those places. That I want to get the wheels turning a little bit. You see, our God... Has a reason for what he says and what he does. And he's on the same page all the time. He doesn't flip flop, flippity flop, anything like that. Some people say, Well, I believe in the responsibility of man. Somebody says, I believe in the sovereignty of God. Okay. How about they're both right? I don't get it. That's the problem. You're trying to... You're subscribing to the I think school of theology. Do you value your left arm and your left leg? You probably do. So you just forget about your right arm. Your right No, no, I want them too. Well, look at you. You can't decide one or the other. God gave you both for a reason. God gave both doctrines for a reason. Like one preacher kind of shocked me a little when I was coming up. He said, when I'm around people that only emphasize the responsibility of God, I like to talk about the sovereignty of God. And when I'm around people that only emphasize the sovereignty of God, I like to also talk about the responsibility of man. Cannot come. That's true. Will not come. That's true. But the protection that is afforded us. Let me show you just in the Psalms how many times he uses this imagery. Think of that hen and those little chicks <coughs> running among, to get under her wings. That's why I read those words from those songs. Under his wing, he's a he, he's the cleft of the rock, if you will. He's a shadow from the storm, the protection. And this is the sort of protection That's afforded. We've already read in Psalm 17 verse 8, Keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. You know, if, you, if I hide behind a rock, and I might not be able to get all of me behind the rock. You might still be able to see. I talked about trying to get sideways with a telephone pole. Some of me still hung out. Both sides. The telephone pole wouldn't hide all of me. The Lord is big enough strong enough to hide all of me. I can hide in Him. Comforted in Him. Now, double 17 and then 2 If you can't do the math, it just go to Psalm 36. Verse 7. How excellent is thy living kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust Under the shadow of thy wings. You tell me you're saved. I said, praise God. What makes you confident that you are saved? I made a decision. I joined the church. I did this. I did that. Again, if it's the I think school of theology... You need to get back to the book. But when you say, Jesus Christ died for my sins. He loved me and gave himself for me. That means a lot more than just say, I checked off a box. I repeated a prayer. I nodded my head. That's what this world does. It says, let's make it easy. People say things, oh, it's easy to be saved. Just like falling off a log. I wonder why Jesus didn't talk that way to Nicodemus. You know, all you got to do is fall off a log. It's an easy thing. No, he talked about being born again. How much input did I have to my natural birth? Not much. Well, how about your spiritual? Oh, I made a decision. and I walked the an aisle. And I prayed a prayer. And I, I made a commitment. And you know, if you were truly saved. You do those things as a result, not as a requirement. It's a consequence, not a condition of your salvation. Of course, our text says, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge. Now, we just looked back at Psalm 36, 7. Take the three and the six and switch them Go to Psalm 63 and verse 7. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Can you see a pattern here? Our safety is not in our good sense, in our track record, in our connections in this world. It's not a horizontal thing. It's a vertical thing. Under the shadow of thy wings. And then in Psalm 91, what a tremendous image here we have. Verse 4 of Psalm 91, He shall cover thee with His feathers. Does God have feathers? Not literally. But it's a picture to help us appreciate. Just like that chick that runs under Mama's wing. And under His wing shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler now without using the expression the shadow of his wing the psalmist again and again gives us a picture of this we talk about the refuge now many many times I'll just give you two Psalm 9 verse 9 the Lord also will be a refuge that's where you can go and you can be safe the enemies rocks and arrows and all that can't get through you. laws will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. When you really need it, you could run to the Lord. And that imagery, of course, comes out again in Psalm 46. A precious passage, which I find myself going to, especially when I get myself in a tight, the first verse, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. That's where you can go. That's where you can be safe. And then again in verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So I want a sanctuary. I want a place where I can be safe. The old devil can't get me. The world can't overcome me. I can be shrouded from those things. You go to the Lord. The Lord has got you covered. And uh, in Psalm 61 in verse 4, as far as I can tell, the only time this particular imagery comes up. Psalm 61 verse 4 I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Emphasizing the fact that it is a covering. It is a protection. Sometimes we talk about the edge of protection. This is a covering. A canopy. If you will. When you're in trials, and there are manifold trials that come, and sometimes it's one on top of another and another and another. Lord, what am I going to do? Kind of like Paul, we are talking about this morning, all this stuff, at one point Paul says, you think you got trouble? Let me just give you an idea. And he's had perils there, perils there, perils with these folks and those folks. And then at the end he says, and on top of all of that, the care of all the churches. Paul had a unique role. Not only was he a Christian, not only was he a preacher, not only was he one to lead a group of people, but he was counsel. He was mentor to pastors. Some of them we know by name. Some of those churches we only have allusion to in the Word of God. The care of all the churches. I don't think Paul had to dream up anything to pray about at night. He had so much on his mind, so much on his heart, so much on his plate. And uh, I don't have any one individual in mind, but I've known many people that are any prayers. Lord, just make everything right. In Jesus' name, amen. Is, that takes care of everything. I tend to agree with George Slater. That's, that's really a junkie prayer. You don't even to take the time to, Lord, to solve all the problems. Well, do you know about any of those problems? Well, yeah. Scripture says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If everything's going oh, fine, Lord, just, just keep up the good work. Yeah, you're doing a good job, Lord. That's not really the cry of the heart of somebody who knows and cares about the things of God. But when God brings matters before you, There's something that burdens you. You're praying for the soul of somebody. You're praying for the condition of somebody. You're praying for them to see what God has for them. You're burdened. The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous one affords much. If you just throw a bone out there every once in a while. And that's about as deep as your prayer life goes. What do you expect? Jesus would go off and pray all night. Does that convict you? He convicts me. It's important to remember. But when in Manifold Trials, when we need it most that had a little bit of an effect a little part of the message this morning, but in Hebrews 4:12 4:16 uh, it says, he is the one who comes through in time of need, you might say, just in the nick of time when you need it most if Abraham had stabbed and burnt the body of Isaac and afterward God by the away, Abraham. There was a ram over there. No. God doesn't drop the ball. We might drop the ball, but God doesn't drop the ball. Just at the right time. Peter and the fish. Peter said, Lord, how do you pay the taxes? Peter, you're fishing. Yeah. Well, take your line. Go out to the water.
1: Throw the line in.
0: catch a fish. In that mouth of that fish you'll be a coin. Use that coin to pay your taxes. Well, Lord... uh. What if I don't get the right place? What? If, you, know, you can what if yourself to death. What if the fish doesn't want to go along with the program? See, part of the Lord's prayer or model prayer is, "Thy will be done on earth as in heaven." I don't think any of the angels, when the Lord's told them, "Well, what if they?" No, just do what you're told. We're supposed to do what we're told. Not trying to what if. I don't want it. You know, well, I can always get somebody else. When people were surprised, Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and the folks are cheering him on. Somebody's like, what do you say about that? The Lord said, if these were silent, God could make the rocks cry out and praise God. Mm -hmm. You think God's a beggar? You think God is hoping? You think when the Lord told Peter, before you've denied me two times, or before the rooster's broke two times, you'll deny me three times. I think some people think Peter denies Jesus, and someone along he denies him again. And the Lord says, Oh, no, I've got to find me a rooster. Come here, rooster. crow, crow No, the Lord knew everything about Peter. And everybody else, they were about the rooster. He knew what was going to happen long before it happened. When the Lord told Peter, I'll bet in his mind Peter thought, no, you got me wrong on that one. Lord. If these other guys, they might deny you, but not me. That's what he said with his mouth. What did he say with his life? We say things with our mouth. What do we say with our life? Ooh. Somebody said he done not stop preaching done, commenced, them This idea of a refuge is important. The idea that we can get comfort that in times of trials, let's go to the book of Isaiah. There are three spots I want you to look at real quick in Isaiah. We'll do them in order, so it'll be easier to find. First, go to Isaiah 25. For you see, We need this one who is a strength to the poor and the needy, protecting them from the storm and the heat. Isaiah 25, verses 4 and 5. And those three songs we talked about, they were inspired by what we read. I think a couple of them were written by Fanny Crosby, weren't they? Yeah. That lady was real busy writing hymns that uh, usually were very, very supportive of what we read in the Word. So I said, Isaiah 25, verse 4 and 5. For thou hast been a strength to the poor. So he's got to be in their corner. The Lord is. A strength to the needy in his distress. A refuge from the storm. Jesus is a rock in a weary land. A shelter in the time of storm. A shadow from the heat. When the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall, thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers as the heat in a dry place. Has Polk County been dry lately? Have we been praying for rain? Is it a casual prayer? Oh Lord, uh, you don't mind a few drops would be nice. No, we pray for one of those gully washers, don't we? We pray for that long and steady rain. It gets our attention. Brother Jeff was telling me that usually when he goes to the auction, it's this many, of the cattle, for sale. And what's it, about four times the amount? Men raising cattle saying, I'm going to get out while I still can. That should get our attention, folks. God doesn't have to cause Martians to land on the planet. He doesn't need to have the planet explode from below the crust. Just hold back the rain. You days, oh, that's nice. No rain. I could have a nice sunny day. Too many of those sunny days you got problems. Hey, I know it's funny. My name's Rains, and I'm not crazy about getting wet, but, uh, if it weren't for the rains, we'd all be dead. Not this rains, of course, but the rain that the Lord provides. He sends His rain on the just and the unjust. Even unsaved people benefit from the rain that God gives. Because God is good all the time. Thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers as the heat in a dry place. Even the heat with the shadow of a cloud. The branch of the terrible ones shall be brought. low. 51st of Isaiah also says, I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hands. But that's not the next one I want you to look at. Go over to 32. Isaiah 32. I think it was the last one I read to you. A shelter in the time of storm. That song was written, inspired from these verses. The first two of Isaiah 32. The older king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment, and a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind. I guess you know who that man is. Again, the answers Jesus. And a covert from the tempest as waters, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of the of a great rock in a weary land. You wonder where when these song leaders get their ideas, the songwriters, a lot of times it's because they do the Bible. Nowadays people sing songs about stuff and that stuff's not even in the Bible. I see people, this is lighthouse this and lighthouse that. Uh, maybe I just haven't seen it, but I can't remember seeing the scripture where it even mentions the lighthouse. He's a light, I know. The lighthouse is things made by men to let other men know the ships need to know. That, but uh, I know who we got the street for. We heard a lot of singing about Jesus is the lighthouse. Well, I don't think it does a disrespect to the Lord, but how about saying what's already in the Bible first? We're to be light. We're to be salt. The Lord is so many things to us. I need you see that. So we read that. And that, of course, is the inspiration of one of those that I read, A Shelter in a Time of Storm, or sometimes it's known as Jesus is a Rock in a Weary Land. And then go to Isaiah 49. Where are you as a Christian? If this is the hand of God, where are you and I? Are we up his arm someplace? Are we back behind his neck or under his foot? Hit, hit, hit. Where is he? He's got you in his hand. I was just talking about song Somebody's got the whole world in his hands. Well, he does. He does. Every breath you draw, it's because. God affords you that breath, Gave you the lungs to appreciate it. Fish don't have lungs they have gills. They take in water and their body is able to absorb the oxygen and get rid of everything else. Our bodies don't work that way. Plants take in CO2 and spit out that nasty old oxygen. They don't need that oxygen, but we do. That's why... The air seems fresher when you go into a nursery, a flower shop, especially all those living flowers. They serve as natural filters to clean the air. Take out the carbon, which they love, and they discard the O2. And CO2, Is that's O2, that's what we need. And C, that's what they need. And God, in his wisdom, made it that way. It's been going that way for thousands of years. Thank the Lord. Isaiah 49, verse 2. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of His hand hath He hid me. You know why the devil can't find God's people? Because they're hidden. God's got you covered. And uh, these three were Isaiah But Paul echoes this in the book of Colossians. Chapter 3 and verse 3. Colossians 3 and verse 3. For ye, he's talking to Christian people, are dead. Nobody comes gunning for a dead man. That's why bad guys sometimes fake their death, figuring, hey, no one come looking for me now. If somebody finds out later they fake the death, they might reinstitute a search. affection on things above, not on things on the earth. It needs to be vertical, not horizontal. This stuff is going to be gone. It's all going up in flames, folks. You say I got a thousand acres. The new heavens and the new earth, it's all going to be gone as far as you having a title deed to it. You won't need it anyway. No need for a deed. New heavens. New earth. Set your affection on things and on things of the earth. That's in verse 2. Then verse 3, you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. If you were being hunted by somebody and suddenly you saw, oh, look, there's a policeman's convention and there's a thousand policemen and they don't wear the same kind of clothes as me. And so you go right in the middle of that pack of policemen and there's a the bad guy coming gunning for you. You're wearing just like they are. You fit in with the crowd. You are hid with all those policemen. How's that bad guy going to get you? How is that strong man going to get you? He can't. He won't. You're the best place to be. And that's where you as a child of God are. You are hid with Christ in God. Now I didn't say if you're a church member, that's true. I didn't say if you've been baptized or you prayed a certain prayer, this suddenly, if you have been born again. That's why we talk to people. What a joy when someone has been born again. You tell me, well, I memorized this Bible verse. Good. Or, I did such and such. No? Good. But when someone said, Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm trusting Him. He did what I could not and would not for myself. That's what Gets to me and should get to us. It doesn't say in Scripture that there is rejoicing in heaven because somebody joined the church. Did you know that? No, I've rejoicing here, but in heaven, doesn't say anything about that. Doesn't say anything about it being baptized. Doesn't say anything about the memorizing and being able to recite the books of the Bible. John three sixteen. But it says there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of heaven over one sinner that repents. How many sinners are you? You're just one. But if the Lord gives you eyes to see and ears to hear, you can run to that one who is God's Son. You can go under His wings. In that covert, in that refuge, That place of safety and security. You flee to Christ. I've probably talked to hundreds, maybe a thousand people. They say, well, what hope do I have? I can't give you hope. I'll point you to Christ. Don't listen to these scoundrels. I can fix it for you. We can work something out. We've heard that sometimes. I can't work anything out for you. I can point you to the Scripture. I can point you to Christ. That's what evangelism is. I give you the good news. The good news. The good word. The good spell. The gospel. Look to Christ. Before we pray, I need to tell you something.